Good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Mark Marino, and I want to just wish you a very blessed Advent season. I've been excited to do this uh, arrival series, and uh, I'm coming to you from Djibouti, Africa. I'm actually outside. This is a space that is maintained by some of our friends out at, at the American Red Cross, and so uh, big supporters of the Red Cross. They do wonderful work, not just here with our uh, service members, but they also do great work uh, across the country, across the world, and so we're thankful for that partnership. Um, so this little area is just intended to be a place to, to hang out, and I thought, well, maybe I can preach somewhere not in the chapel or my office for once uh, for this great series on the arrival. And uh, I hope that you've been also enjoying the uh, wonderful devotional booklet um, for Advent devotions, the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, hopefully you're able to track with that. I know I've been enjoying it. I pray you have as well. Um, but today what we're going to focus on in this series called The Arrival is actually the King and the King Makers. And this idea of the king and the kingmakers is a little bit um, interesting way of looking at the Magi and Herod and, of course, Jesus. And so here you have an instance where uh, these Magi are, are coming and they are trying to find this new king. And, of course, if you're looking for a king, you, you go to the palace. Well, we'll get to that, but I want to read to you first a passage uh, from our scripture today in Matthew chapter 2. Of those first few verses. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, for it is so written by the prophet, You, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means amongst, least amongst the rulers of Judah, from what you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejo rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You know, that's our text uh, for this morning, and it's a text that points us to the reality of what our Lord Jesus um, was willing to do and willing to experience so that he might redeem and reconcile you and me uh, from our sin, from the devil, from our own fallen nature. And so, um, King and the Kingmakers, uh, I got to tell you, when we read this text, it's amazing to me that Jesus is starting off his life under threat of death, right? There are already people gunning for him. There are already people who, who want to see him fail. 
And so um, the thing that I find most interesting about this text, uh, well, maybe not the most interesting, but one of the most interesting parts of it is that Herod is just going about his normal business. Uh, we know that he's not a perfect king by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and so Herod is just kinging, whether poorly or well is, you know, maybe up to you, but I think scripture paints a pretty negative picture. And uh, Herod is the one that paints it. So uh, when you are trying to, to kill children to make sure you have your throne, I think that squarely has you fall into the bad king category. Um, but, uh, and, and the wise men, these magi, well, they're just doing their thing. They're watching stars. And, and by doing just their thing, they come across this piece of information. So I, I wanna just say in this text that Herod and the Magi were not seeking Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, when we read in um, gospel accounts of the shepherds tending their flock by night, they weren't looking for Christ either. The angels appeared to them and told them this wondrous thing. And so I, I wanna just hit that because I believe that sometimes you and I feel as though to find God or to seek Christ that we have to do something different or special. And, and I will say that there are seasons where we do draw near to the Lord, but there are many, many more seasons where God comes to us himself and he hits us over the head. Uh, he confronts us, he comes busting into our world and this text is a great example of that. So um, now uh, I grew up in Texas. I don't know if you've ever heard me say that before, but uh, my mom, she loved country music. I mean, all the old classics, old country, not new country, not whatever occurs these days, but she loved George Strait and Johnny Cash and um, Waylon Jennings and the, the list goes on. Um, uh, but there was a, a big song at the time, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, right? And uh, maybe you know that song. Well, this text, you got uh, people looking for the king in all the wrong places. Um, or, if you prefer, all the wrong palaces, yeah, because it's a play on words. By the way, I never really know how my jokes go over, not even when I'm there, much less when I'm in Africa, but hopefully you gave a humorous chuckle and gave me the benefit of the doubt on that one. But So they're in the wrong city, they're at the wrong house slash palace, um, and they are standing in front of the wrong king. Uh, as far as being wise men, they don't seem to be all that wise. Uh, they seem to be making some mistakes. But again, let's cut some slack here and understand. Uh, hopefully on that slide, you can see that far side uh, cartoon. It's one of my favorite far side cartoons. Um, but again, I digress. So it ought not surprise us that Jesus is starting off under threat of death and that people are not understanding where he should be and what he really is doing and what he's really all about. As Jesus tells us later in his own ministry, in his own words, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So Jesus isn't in some temple. He's not in some palace. He's not living a life of luxury. Uh, he is coming for a very specific purpose, and that specific purpose is to redeem you and to redeem me from our own sin from this fallen world. And it also ought not surprise us that God's work of salvation oftentimes unfolds itself in hidden, uh, mysterious, and very humble ways because that's the kind of God that we have. And so Jesus is coming uh, not with power and might as others might expect, 
but he's coming in humility and in obedience to his Father's plan. And Jesus has a way of defying all conventional wisdom back then and even now. Uh, even here and now, people have the wrong picture of Jesus, the wrong idea of Jesus. And sometimes as you and I are witnessing to those people, we have to kind of deconstruct and break down those false narratives and those false pictures and focus on the one true picture of our Lord Jesus as portrayed in Scripture. Uh, when you want to talk about the contrast and the different ways in which God's salvation story unfolds, um, you have a poor virgin a woman that is unremarkable as far as scripture says she's like any other person and yet she's the mother of god i mean can you conceive of that for just a second wrap your mind around that fact that mary is a woman um, i'm sure she's very nice woman and and all these sorts of things but but scripture goes out of its way to make it clear that god chose her not that she merited this and and this young poor virgin unmarried is the mother of God. That, that right there tells you that our God is not interested in the conventional wisdom of men or the way that this world works. Um, and if you want to think about a place where a king would lay his head, would you imagine that that place would be an animal feeding box, a, a trough, a manger, that, that the most valuable and precious gift that God has ever given more, far more valuable than gold or frankincense and myrrh as mentioned in this text. And by the way, there are flies here and a couple of them have found me apparently. Um, rather uh, than all those valuable things, the valuable truth and, and person of Jesus is in this very nondescript location. Uh, and lest we go too much farther into Easter, an instrument of torture, an instrument of death, something that represents the cruelty and the efficiency of the Romans would become the throne of God. That the cross would be taken from being a scandalous, horrific sight and there where Jesus shines most brightly. To do for us which we cannot do for ourselves. Live a perfect life, die on our behalf, but pick up his life once again. Kingmakers, you know, that may be a stretch to call the Magi kingmakers because um, them coming to offer the gifts doesn't confer any special title upon them, yet this is exactly um, the kind of upside-downness that we come to expect in our Lord's Word. And so uh, the Magi are coming to pay their respects, to give honor, and it's amazing how Herod seizes on the moment to... Um, be duplicitous, to be sneaky, to serve his own ends and his own agenda. But I will say that, that you and I actually have a few things in common with the Magi, with these wise men. Um, and it's not that we have wonderful, uh, amazing astrology skills or astronomy. I should, not, I should say astronomy, right? Isn't that right? Uh, it's not that we have those kind of skills. Although I will say John Dork, our AV guy, he's got some great telescopes and he'll tell you all about stars, um, which I think is an awesome hobby. Um, so, okay. We have some things in common with Wiseman. And, and what we have in common is that you and I have been guided to Christ. Maybe not by a star, okay? Maybe we didn't stop into a, a palace and ask a really important king about what we've seen. 
but but there are ways that God has guided us to his own son, Jesus. Oftentimes, I would say it's your own family members, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, brother, sister, your own kids, who sometimes point you most clearly to Jesus. Sometimes maybe it's pastors and DCEs and uh, different people like that, but, but more often than not, God knows exactly what you need and he places that into your life. And uh, what's more is he does that through word and sacrament ministry. Every time you see a baptism, every time you go to the Lord's Supper, that's one way in which God is guiding you. And I pray and hope that at Family of Christ, we've been doing that. We've been helping you in your walk with God. We've been guiding you and pointing you to Jesus. That's exactly why uh, Katie Morgan and the staff, Kimmy Miller and Sonia Genke, amongst others, put together the 12 days of Christmas because the season is so busy and it's so easy to be distracted and we wanted to give you one more clear uh, piece of, of uh, 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 paper, a, a document, a, a, a devotion, something that could orient you to the reason for the season, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why they've done it. That's why we do so much of what we do. All of our programming is intended to help guide you to Christ in a loving, living, vibrant, dynamic relationship. And so I pray and hope that that's the case. You know, I got a picture of the church there sitting all empty. And, um, but the church is never really empty, is it? Uh, even on a low attendance Sunday, it's never empty. Uh, we are gathered together in God's spirit and in his truth. Not only do we have that in common with the Magi, the wise men, that we are guided to Christ, but we also bring our gifts. Now again, you may not have a whole lot of gold or frankincense or myrrh. I'm not even sure if I know what any of those things are. Well, I think I got the gold thing down. Uh, but uh, but uh, those are gifts for royalty and they are fit for a king. And uh, the gifts that you bring to God and to those around you are important. Oftentimes we talk about time, talent, and treasure. and uh, but the truth of the matter is this, when you worship, when you pray, when you do any of those things, it is a gift to the Lord. You are giving him your very best. You wanna give him something that, that, that not just describes you and your relationship to him, but you wanna give something that is absolutely uh, authentic, beautiful, powerful. And so I want you to think long and hard about the gifts that you bring to God when I think about the gifts that I bring to God, I don't know how much I have in and of myself, but I know he's given me a family. I know he's given me uh, so many blessings. He's given me the opportunity to serve men and women uh, in hot, dusty Africa. He's given me the opportunity to um, share the gospel with people just like you. And that's in part my gift to God, that he would bless me in so many ways and that he would love me so much and that in turn, I could take what he has given me and simply give it to others and give it right back to him. Uh, that's what a relationship is. That is what uh, grace and love, that's expressed in this beauty and in this power. So I'll ask that question for you as we conclude our time together. And that is, who is in charge of your life? Who runs that thing? And I know you might be looking at your spouse next to you. You might be looking at your day planner. You might be looking and thinking about your boss. But, but I'll tell you, um, we read in the book of Isaiah, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. You know, if we're looking for signs to be guided, we don't look to the skies necessarily. We don't 
uh, even look always to the people around us, but we look chiefly to the author and perfecter of our faith, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And so I, uh, I, I pray that you are ready for this arrival. I pray that you are ready for the gift of the Christ child. And I pray that you um, live in that relationship in a deep and a rich way now and always. Amen. And may this peace which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in true faith in Christ our Lord. Amen. Merry Christmas.